Hi, and welcome to the Making the Media podcast. My name's Craig Wilson, and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me. In this episode, we're talking trust and exploring an initiative called Project Origin. Never heard of it? Well, stay tuned. There's a lot to talk about. Project Origin is an alliance of leading organisations from the publishing and technology worlds who are working to establish a chain of trust from the publisher to the consumer. Now, those leading organisations are the BBC, CBC Radio Canada, Microsoft and the New York Times. So some really big players involved here and they are not the only ones. I spoke to Bruce McCormack from Project Origin about what they're trying to do and how they're trying to achieve it. But I began by asking him to set out a bit of background to the project and how he got involved. I'm a strange hybrid of a telecommunications engineer who's now masquerading as a journalist and working with journalists. So uh, my my background is the technical infrastructure uh, behind uh, broadcast and media. And I got to that via a career in telecommunications that uh, morphed into the early days of the internet where I was running the uh, internet digital operations of the largest newspaper chain in Canada and about 12, 20 years ago, I guess now. From there, I moved on uh, through some local newspapers and to CBC Radio Canada, which was the national broadcaster in Canada, is the national broadcaster in Canada, and, and ended up doing uh, corporate strategy where I was thinking about how does technology impact the way we do business? So, so what are the things that are going to surprise us? What are the things that are just on the horizon? Uh, and, and when we started looking at AI, we started to think about, well, what the, the, the advent of synthetic media coming on board, what, what's that going to do to uh, our ability to tell a story and be trusted in telling the story? So, so if anybody can create media and anybody can create the illusion of media or, or of a story, then, then what does that do to our, to our storytelling roles? And what do we have to do as defenses? So, so what, what do we have to do to make sure we're, we're closing the barn door before the horse leaves, I guess would be the way I would express it. So, so through that and some conversations with uh, colleagues I was having at the BBC and uh, the New York Times, we realized we were all thinking the same thing. And we uh, basically joined up and said, let's, let's work on this together. So, so Bruce, you mentioned, you mentioned the T word there, which I think is, is trust. How important do you think it is to news organizations that people who access their content can trust that it's correct? So, so trust has many levels. Uh, so, so trusting that it's correct is one level. Trust, trusting the source uh, is, is another level. And trusting that the piece of content you have in your hands actually came from that source is, is yet another level. So, so it, it, tr- trust is paramount. It is, it is the coin of the realm. Uh, for news organizations. Uh, you know, when, when I was running a local newspaper, it was our brand. We had been in the business telling the stories of Nova Scotia since 1825. Like, you know, like <laughs> you, you establish trust through legitimacy of, of long tenure. Um, and and uh, look at any local news advertisements. They'll tell you they're the most trusted or the most watched uh, news in their market, right? It, it, trust is, is, is the, the point of the realm. So you mentioned there about you know beginning to look at different levels and different types of trust. And so what really is Project Origin about and how do you think it can help people be confident that what they're looking at is trustworthy? 
So the, the first thing we, we did was we said, okay, what problems are we trying to solve and what problems are we not trying to solve uh, with Project Origin? And, and making sure we kept that scope tight was very important because this, this is a, a broad ranging problem. And, and what we said we're gonna start with is how do we make sure people can trust that a piece of content that's come to them through some channel that we may not control. I mean, if you, if you think about the heritage of news organizations, we broadcast from our tower, it got picked up on your rabbit ears, there was nothing in between, and you watched the news and we said tonight's top story is, and you had every reason to believe us. Now you're seeing a clip, a clip of news or maybe a story taken out of context possibly from the program it was in, distributed by a party that may or may not have anything to do with the people that published the news story. Uh, and it's made it to you through some channel, which is probably legitimate, but you don't know. Uh, and, and it doesn't take much interference with the story to add a few frames, drop a few frames, uh, inject a knot or take a knot out of a sentence so that it reads, we will not uh, do this. Uh, you know, you, you, can, you can flip context quite easily. So, we said, okay, how are we going to make sure that we can ensure the integrity of the content uh, that a person receives, that what you've received is what we transmitted, because there, there is the potential for mischief in between. Uh, and how do you know that the source that sent it is the source that it purports to be? Uh, it's not just somebody with a camera saying, I'm from the BBC and this is what I'm doing. They actually are legitimately from the BBC and you can confirm that it's from the BBC. So that's what Project Origin started off to do. It's, it's, it's to, to do those two things. Ensure that you understand who the source of a, a piece of content is and that it hasn't been trans, uh, um, um, tampered with in, in transit. Uh, easier said than done. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, um, it's technically doable. Uh, because it's, it's, it's technologies from banking and cryptography that, that are just have to be ported over, but it's a fair bit of work to port that over. We were fortunate enough to have Microsoft also join us. Microsoft Research is a partner in Project Origin, and they said, okay, well, we'll, we'll help with some of that heavy lifting stuff. So, so the media organizations were helping with structuring what the problem looks like and describing our workflows, and Microsoft was able to come in and say, okay, this is what we can do to help, uh, help adjust the, uh, the file structures and the cryptography. So before we delve into the, the details of it, one thing I want to be kind of clear about is what you're not doing here is content authenticity to an extent. You're not well, verifying the originating source, for example, of something that someone has shot on a camera phone somewhere that's ended up in a newsroom system. So, so this, as I said, this is a multifaceted problem. And what we found is in the industry, there's a number of partners uh, that we've found that are doing different aspects of the problem. So, so we started off focusing on how do we deliver video from a broadcaster to a consumer and make sure that piece of the chain had provenance. That was what we're calling this, the ability to track it through. We discovered that Adobe uh, was doing similar work from the light hitting the lens on the camera on a still photo to start with and into the editing process. So Adobe put out, Adobe's got something called the Content Authenticity Initiative. Uh, they put out a white paper about a year ago now. Um, if you read their white paper, you will see that all of the members of Project Origin are co-authors on the Adobe white paper. So, so they're leading that aspect of the, of the research, uh, but we're all cooperating. And uh, in February of 2021, uh, we actually formalized that cooperation. We formed something called the Coalition for Content Authenticity and Provenance, or something we call it C2PA. Uh, that group has been formed to build common technical standards to make sure end-to-end 
provenance can be traced from its source all the way through. Now, there may be legitimate reasons why you don't want to pass that information through. Uh, nothing says it's, it's mandatory, but the, the facility to carry metadata in a secure, encrypted way from source through, the, through to the delivery with all of the editorial ads and changes accounted for. I mean, you, you, you're always gonna to wanna to change content. You're gonna color adjust it. You're gonna crop it. You're gonna change it for time. But you wanna know who's made those changes and is the person that makes those changes declaring, hey, I was the CDC and we were editing this piece and, and we've signed off on the work we've done. So, so that end to end uh, provenance is something that we're working through as a group. The, C, the C2PA has been joined by Intel, by ARM, by Twitter. We're building a quite a large industry coalition to. Um, to make sure that we solve this problem once and solve it consistently. So you mentioned there about taking technology from things like the, the banking industry. You know, I think some people may be surprised that you, you, you take that kind of approach. So where do you think there are similarities in, in what you can take from other industries and, and bring it into the, the sort of media technology world? Well, I mean, cryptography is, is well established as, as, a, as a science. Um, it hasn't been applied to media. So, so it, it's really just about saying, okay, this, this, it's been applied. I shouldn't say that. That's not quite true. It's been applied to media to make sure that legitimate content doesn't end up in illegitimate channels. I don't want. I want to make sure that my soccer foot or football game, as you'd call it, doesn't get shown with someone who hasn't paid a license. Okay, what we're doing is the complete opposite. Um, we're making sure that illegitimate content cannot make it into legitimate channels and purport to be legitimate. So it's, it's the same problem, but it's, it's, a, it's a reverse on it. And it's sort of like looking through a telescope the other way around. Uh, it's, it's all the same lens pieces, but, but when you look from the wrong end of the telescope, it, 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 it changes the way the, the machine works. So we're, we're, we're taking that and thinking through each of those steps and saying, okay, how do we, how do we reposition these pieces of content or this piece of technology to, to ensure it serves our purpose, which as I said, is to, is to do the end-to-end -end validation of, of uh, source and, uh, and tamper resistance. So what stage is the project in at the moment? What are the kind of things you're looking at? Yeah, so this is, as you can probably imagine, a, a, a multi-year project. Right now, we have assembled a coalition. Uh, we're doing this at, at a couple of levels. So the, the C2PA is working diligently uh, to produce a public draft uh, later this year of a specification, an open standard specification. Uh, that will be available this fall. Um, and, and then we'll be taken up for comment and we're working through the standards bodies. The work we're doing at Project Origin is going to rely on the fact that companies like Avid or Intel are, are, are building this functionality into their products. So once it's a public standard, we're assuming that it becomes a function. And none of this is much more than a function. If you're a reporter, this should be baked into your edit suite. You know, that you just, it's gonna carry that information through much as it carries much of the other production metadata. But from a workflow perspective, and, and talking about how does it get used in journalism, Project Origin has, has assembled a coalition of, I think we're about 20 or so, uh, other broadcast organizations or, or newspapers. I mean, you say that it's, a, it's a mix of print and, um, and um, broadcast. Um, thinking about how are we going to use this technology in a consistent and interoperable way? Because media files get exchanged between broadcasters and publishers frequently. Uh, you want to make sure that the, 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 we find the sweet spot between making sure there's a consistent implementation that allows us to maintain provenance end to end 
without going into this, the Herculean task of saying, let's align all our metadata standards across multiple broadcasters, because you know, none of us uh, are, are, are uh, silly enough to try to do that. So, so we're, we're trying to find that, that sweet spot. And that's, that's a series of conversations that are ongoing now, and will go on probably for the next nine months or so on adoption methodologies uh, to make sure that there's um, smooth and fairly rapid adoption, and also to feedback um, requirements back into the CTPA standards. So as, as we talked to other broadcasters, we're testing out ideas, what's important, what's not important, and making sure those get baked into the, the standards work at CTPA. Because I guess one of the other things from the broadcaster's perspective is they don't necessarily want to have something that is going to delay them putting news on air. Because I Absolutely. guess, you know, there's, there's the constant debate, isn't it? I want to be first or I want to be right. Ideally, I want right. to be first and right. So I guess that's something else that you have to work through as well. Yeah, it is. But but nothing says that you can't do both. Uh, you, 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 you can release a file. I mean, there's going to be lots of files out there that are released without, um, without uh, metadata in place, uh, especially in the early days. But you can go back and revisit it. You can, you know, you can set it as breaking news, but when it goes out uh, on the second edition, you've put the rest of the provenance information in place or you've cleaned it up. Or ideally it's done in such an automated way that it's just part of the workflow and it doesn't, it doesn't catch you up. It's, it's gonna be a matter of how the implementations get built by the various vendors such as Avid. And what about the standards? What work do you do at the moment to, to, to try to get that? Is it through bodies like Simpty or others that you're looking to, to utilize? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's another team that's working through who's the appropriate standards organization. We have liaison agreements with a number of the standards bodies. They're consulting with us as we're, as we're writing the, uh, the, the, the draft standard that we're putting together. And then the endorsements and the, uh, the ratifications will roll up through the various standards bodies. I can't comment on which ones we'll be using formally at this point in time. Yeah. And what what do you think success is for, for this project? What what in essence is the is the challenge that you really want to solve? Um, well, we 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 want to prevent. It, it, it's it's sort of certain like the the Y two K problem. If anybody was back in the business in, in the year two thousand, um, nothing happened, and everyone went, "Well, that was no big deal." And and nothing happened because an awful lot of hard work was done to clean up some bad code. Uh, to to uh, to to keep things working smoothly and and, and ideally uh, what we want to have happen is continued trust in news uh, goes forward. You know the 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 scenarios to give you sort of an extreme scenario. Um, if if you can if you can fake legitimacy, so so let, let if you think if you if you think um, and, and one of my friends uh, Sam Gregory from Witness has a great line. He says, uh, "Prepare but don't panic." Uh, you know, so, 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 but, but when you're preparing, you have to think about what are the, the attack scenarios and how could you be, uh, how could you be affected by this and misinformation well, well-timed around known events um, can have dramatic impact, even if it's only for a short period of time. Uh, you know, you, you can uh, preempt a CEO doing a, an earnings announcement and get something out that looks like a CEO, but saying something that's not true enough to drop the stock just for enough time to do some quick trading and make some money. Right. So, so there's, there's, there's announcements that can be timed and it can be faked and it can have disproportionate impact. Well, one of the things we started thinking about is, well, what if somebody faked our hosts on our sets and took all of the, the signs of legitimacy? You know, in the UK, you've got your, the, the crown has the scepter and the sword and, and, and the, those are the signs of legitimacy. Well, for a news organization, it's the host anchor on the set with the desk and, and, and the, the way they tell the story with the theme music. If you could take that 
and, and adjust that person's behaviors and, and, and speech such that they said something that we did not want them to say uh, and push it out, all of the halos of legitimacy of the broadcaster are used to amplify the disinformation. And we're going, okay, that's, that's not good. And, you know, would we be um, um, doing our job if we weren't figuring out a way to put a few locks on the door to make sure that that was harder to do? So, so what we're hoping to do is maintain legitimacy by saying, look, we've done that. There's another piece of work that's being done by some really good people. It's something called the Partnership on AI, which is a coalition of a lot of AI organizations that are funding joint research into best practices with AI. Uh, and there's a team there uh, led by Claire Leibowitz and Emily Saltz who are doing great work on labeling. So, so as we start to say this, this material has uh, legitimate provenance, how do we communicate that to an audience in such a way that uh, it, it lets the person know that the, the end-to-end track is there? It also doesn't make a comment on the reliability of the journalism. It just simply says it's come from that journalist source. So, so again, you started earlier talking about levels of trust. The, the, the legitimacy of the, the journalism is a different thing than the legitimacy of the container carrying the journalism. So Project Origin has been working on the legitimacy of the container. Uh, and then there's other layers and there's other work being done by other organizations about the legitimacy of the content. Um, so, so all of these things have to work together. That's a confusing story to give to a, a consumer and we have to figure out how to break that down into small bites of, you know, what does a thumbs up or whatever the equivalent we end up using happens to be uh, and what is that what and what is that uh, what what should that signal to the audience so how how is the user educated and how do we signal that content through to the end user is some work that yet another part of this uh, broad coalition is working on yeah, you, you preempted what my next question was going to be bruce because i think you know access to information generally now is is probably more widely available than it's ever been but i'm not entirely convinced that people are better informed than they, than they perhaps were in the, in the past. So from, from a user perspective, would they necessarily see anything different? Or you know, I, I, I try to understand from that perspective, well, I can understand, you're absolutely right, you know, there's a technical standard, this piece of content has legitimacy all the way through of it. And I, I absolutely get what you mean about, it's a different layer of trust in the actual journalism itself. So I'm just thinking from the user experience, what, what do you think that might be? Well, I, I won't preempt the user experience task force we have working on this, but there's a lot of people actually working through the how, what information is signaled and how is it conveyed in, in such a way that it can't be misinterpreted. Uh, and, and how do we make sure that during the initial phases of rollout, uh, the lack of a signal does not uh, constitute illegitimacy because this is going to take a while and roll out piece parts and you don't want to uh, confer that uh, or infer that a piece of content that doesn't have a positive signal is, 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 is a challenge. So, so in the initial rollout, I can see this one being used by journalists who want to check the, uh, the uh, forensic integrity of a file before they use it in their content, right? So, so you've got an educated, trained journalist that's taking a piece of content in, checking the seals, making sure everything's okay, and then using it in their content. That's very different than a consumer who's in a, in a sit back mode and just watching the content flow over them. So, you know, we're going to see this done at a couple of layers. There's going to be a signal that will uh, tell people, you know, yes, this content has uh, authenticity information. 
right? Then there may be an interrogation point where you click on it and it may say, where was this picture taken? You know, when was it taken? Who took the picture? And, and give you that kind of information. And then there might be a third layer that's, that's forensic where you're going through a video frame by frame to make sure that the, 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 the you know, the, 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 what we're we calling the Tylenol safety seals on each frame are, uh, are intact. Uh, you know, and, and, and no one expects a consumer to do that. Uh, but you but you may do that if you're, uh, you know, checking a, a, a news footage that you've gotten from some some source that you, you just want to be absolutely sure of. So it, it'll depend on the use and the context and the uh, the way it's displayed. Well, we're talking to a number of organizations that um, control displays in various forms to say, OK, how do we build this into the standards and, and just make it. Uh, part of the the day to day consumer experience, but but that's an, an ultimate goal. We've got to we've got to build the foundation of getting the signal to the device before we can think about how we're going to show it on the device. So you've you've talked about there about different working groups. You've mentioned lots of different organisations. It's a wide ranging project. How, how difficult is it, Bruce, to bring all these things together? Uh, it's easier now than it was two years ago. <laughs> I guess I would say that. Uh, it, it, if, if you think about starting an avalanche, you start with a tiny little snowball and you start it rolling. Uh, we were lucky in that uh, I was I was concerned about this just in my day-to-day -day role at, at CBC Radio Canada. I was at a dinner with the CTO of the BBC. We were just chatting over, over dinner and the conversation had some resonance. So, so BBC says, let's start seeing if we can do something. Um, Partnership on AI had similar conversations. The New York Times chatted with their head of R&D. He goes, yeah, we're working on a similar project. And uh, there was an evening when the, the BBC, uh, the chief architect of the BBC, uh, Jetna Thoria, uh, Mark Lavallee from the, from the New York Times, their head of R&D and myself were having dinner. And you know when the chemistry is right on a dinner and everybody's thinking the same way and you can sort of feel it. And we said, yeah, okay, this makes sense. This is a real problem. Uh, the broad approach makes some sense to work on it. And then we looked at each other and said, okay, well, if the BBC, the CBC and the New York Times are critical mass to start a project, I don't know who is. So, so we said, okay, let's, let's see if we can find France, as I said, um, and that helped. But then you, the, you get other organizations, the BBC had something called the Trusted News Initiative that's bringing together a number of journalistic organizations. We said, well, we can be a technical element of that. So it, it's about friends introducing them to other friends. And now there's uh, enough critical mass to say, okay, we, we're all working together. Uh, they're, they're, as I said, there are different facets of the problem that different groups have taken the, the lead on solving. But for the general rules, I think most of us know each other and there's probably about 30 people that are working actively on this right now. I would say somewhere in maybe 50, maybe 25, but it's in that order of magnitude. But I would say that, you know, everybody knows eight out of 10 of the others. So, so that there's a critical mass in the conversations. Uh, there's, there's a high frequency in conversations and that's making it easier to find other groups that want to join and support and endorse the work we're doing. And, and how, would you, how would you kind of summarize I guess what you've talked about there is a flow of trust. Maybe that's the, the, the kind of phrase to use around um, how, how, how this is this is going to work. Uh, so how would you summarize where you are in that journey of, of kind of getting to that point where that flow of trust can, can begin to flow, if you like? Um, if, if you think about it as a, a technical stack, we're, we're thinking about how it's going to get built in at the chip level uh, with, with the, you know, the partners like Intel and ARM. Uh, we are building standards on how uh, it can be used. 
uh, with the work that C2BA is doing. We are talking to a number of vendors that will build this functionality into their product. So once it's a thing, once, once we put a name on it, we give it a standard number and we have a bunch of broadcasters and journalists saying, we want our newsroom to comply to this standard. Then, then you know, the tool vendors will say, okay, well, we're gonna put that in our, in our roadmap and it will be released in version you know, X in, in nine months. And it'll be out there. And, and then, then it starts to become something that's just part of the, the way we do business. It, much the same way as any new technology gets adopted. It's, it starts slow and then it becomes widespread and then it becomes sort of just a, a given, a, a fait accompli that it's, it's in place. So this, this will take a little bit of time to work its way through. But for the most part, it's um, technical sausage making. You know, uh, if you were to talk to a lot of journalists, they don't have to know what goes on past the lens. Right, <laughs> the lens is where their job stops, and then the engineers start on the other side of the lens. And to a, a, a large degree, it's going to be much the same way. Once we've said that having a story securely sealed with a tamper-proof seal is the expectation, then the engineers can figure out how to maintain that file end to end as we as we move it through the system. And ultimately, what do you think the, the benefit something like this brings to news organizations? Because there's been so much concern about you know, fake news, people look at things like deep fakes and other things as well. What yeah. do you think the ultimate benefits they can bring to news organizations? Well, it, it, deep fakes is where this started, right? So deep fakes was, was where the original concern came from. Uh, shallow fakes, where, where it's really just a small edit more than a, more than a fancy piece of technology is, is where the, the, the concern is right now. But, but as, as the technology for creating synthetic media becomes more widespread and, and, and widely distributed, um, there will be a general erosion in trust because anything can, once people start to think anything can be fake, then nothing is real. I guess that's the, the logical extension of all this. So what we're hoping to do with this technology is to um, provide a higher level of security to say this piece of content has not been faked. And this is how we know why it's not been faked. Therefore, we, we're, we're maintaining trust. So um, it's it's slowing the erosion, if you, if you will, going back to my earlier things. It's, 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 we're, we're, it's not that we are trying to make things much, much better. We are, we are putting in a defense so they do not get worse, <laughs> I guess would be the, the way I would phrase this, which is why I said it's, it's, it's not glamorous, it's not sexy, it just has to be done. And, it, and, and adding security, is, as we're starting to find out, cybersecurity is a part of our lives. We have to start building it in. And when you don't build it in, bad things happen to pipelines, to airports, to hospitals. And, and we can't let news be one of those industries that gets taken down by a, a lack of care in, in securing our product. Um, so, so Bruce, re really interesting stuff. I mean, there's one question I'm asking everyone that's on the podcast, so I'll, I'll ask it to you. Um, when you look at the scenario, look at the situations, what is it, if anything, that keeps you awake at night? Oh, pause for this while I think about this. Uh, what does it keep me awake at night? Um, it, it originally was deep fakes. Uh, that, that was the, the original concern. I, I was reading about deep fakes and I went, gee, you know, somebody should be doing something about this. And then I sort of looked at my job description and went, oh, darn it, I think it's me, <laughs> you know, but uh, that, but as I said, uh, prepare, but but don't panic has taken me away from the edge on the deep fake and say, it, it's coming, but we're starting to have the defenses in place. Um, it's consumer education, I think. Uh, it, it's how we, how we educate consumers to consume both the technology that they're receiving media on and understand the business of media 
that is populating the containers that is sending that, that, that content to them and to do so in a way that um, maintains truth, <laughs> however truth gets defined. Uh, and defining truth, I guess, would become the thing that keeps me awake at night at the end of that sentence. So that, that, that nature of the, uh, we're putting very complex technologies into hands of, of, of a broad population that was never intended to have broad technology uh, knowledge, I guess, and, and that it's, it's, a, it's a complex world. It certainly is a complex world of that, there is no doubt. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more from Project Origin as the year develops and into future years. I want to thank Bruce for joining us on the podcast. What do you think? Let us know. I'm on social. My username is craigaw1969 or email us here at the podcast. Our address is makingthemedia at avid.com. Also, check out the show notes for links to a webinar about cybersecurity featuring experts from both Avid and Microsoft. You can also check out another podcast episode with AI researcher Felix Simon, where we talk about the impact it could have on journalism. Next time on the podcast, we're going to delve into the world of digital news with Adam Wiener, Executive VP of CBS Local Digital Media in the US. Let's hear a bit of what he had to say. The lines are blurred between what we had done before for traditional broadcast or, or network news shows and the, the digital uh, offerings that we have, so much so that we are in the process, and I think that every media company is in the same process of this transitionary period of understanding that we're always on, regardless of the deadlines that we have connected to specific broadcasts or shows. There's, there's people looking for information from us on all platforms at all times. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified when the episode with Adam is released. That's all for now. Thanks to our producer, Rachel Haberman. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. My name's Craig Wilson. Join me next time for more behind-the-scenes discussion on the challenges facing the news business in making the media.